Welcome back. We're in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Let's go. Here we go, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So let's look at this. He heard a loud voice. This is John. In the past, uh, looking into the future, because God put him there uh, to be able to see what's going to happen and some of the things that are going to transpire in the future. This is talking about the eternal kingdom after the 1,000-year millennial kingdom. It says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he, that's God, will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. So let's take a look at this. God dwelled with Adam and Eve in the garden. And he will dwell with us again on the new earth. Are you getting that? In the garden. Remember, they used to commune daily with God. He was able to be with them because they were holy at that point in time. They were without sin. They didn't inherit sin because they didn't have any ancestors. And they had not yet sinned. After they sinned, everything changed. And they needed that God gave them the tunic that was made of uh, animal skin which means something had to die to atone for their sin. And here we're going to a state in the eternal kingdom where God, again, will be able to dwell with us. Why? Because we're holy. We're completely covered with the righteousness of Christ. We're free from our earthly bodies, which were sinful. They had inherited sin. They were, uh, we were tempted. We are tempted right now. But when we get our resurrected, glorified bodies... We won't have that fleshly desire anymore because we won't be in our flesh. We won't have that temptation anymore at this point. Satan will be completely gone. He'll be in the lake of fire forever, never to be released. He won't be able to tempt anyone, nor any of his minions, his, the demons, the third of the angels that went with him. All done. Isn't that awesome? So we'll be able to dwell with God just like Adam and Eve did originally. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. let me read this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. So that suggests that we will at least be able to see God face to face. And the problem of Exodus 33.20 will have been dealt with so that we can see God in all his glory at that point. Because God, Exodus 33.20 but said, but you said, but he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. Um, but that will have been dealt with because... We won't have our fleshly bodies anymore. Satan won't be around. There'll be no more temptation. And God can just hang out with us. Isn't that awesome? 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, listen to this, when He is revealed, that's God, when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. So that says when we see Jesus, we will be like him. We won't have fleshly desires any longer, and we won't even have flesh because we'll have our resurrected, glorified bodies. All right. And then the rest of uh, verse 3 in Revelation 21 says, And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. No more death. The consequences of sin are gone. What was the consequence of sin? Death. 
if there's no more sin and there's no more consequences of the sin to live with anymore, they've been completely removed by God and perfection has been restored. So if you ever wonder what it would have been like to live with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in that time in a world without sin, this is, a, this is what it's going to be like, right? We're going to live forever. We won't sin. We won't be tempted to sin. It's going to be incredible. There won't be sorrow. There won't be crying. Everybody listening to this either has or has experienced, either is experiencing or has experiencing, experienced sorrow and crying from loss of a parent, loss of a grandparent, loss of a spouse, loss of a child, um, loss of a friend or a loved one, loss of a job or income, loss of a physical ability, physical pain, something like that. That's all, that's all going to be gone, right? My wife suffers from migraines and nerve issues, and in heaven, there'll be no more. That's just going to be awesome. I hope he heals her during this lifetime, and I pray for that, but I understand that it's in it's in his ability as God um, to choose whether or not to heal her. And we're going to love him anyways. And it's just going to be awesome. No more death, no, nor sorrow, nor crying. It goes on to say that there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. So it says in the same sentence, there's no more pain, which is excellent. We kind of just went through that. Why? Because the former things have passed away. What are the former things? It's our fleshly bodies. It's Satan being around to tempt us along with his demons and living with living in an earth that was cursed. Well, our flesh has been put to death. We're in our resurrected glorified bodies. Satan's been put away in the lake of fire forever. And we've got um, the earth, which was completely devoured by fire by God. And re, a brand new earth was created, brand new heavens. So anything of the past that's been cursed or uh, marked by sin is just gone. Verse 5. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So he says, Behold, I make all things new. Who is this? This is God. Do you realize that he also made you new? Now. Not in the future, but now. That means you're a new creation now. Let me explain. Second Corinthians 5.17. God's words, not mine. God uh, had it penned in 2 Corinthians 5.17 this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let me read that again. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Know that. You're created for something new, something different, something better than what you were experiencing before. You have purpose to the life not to maximize your wealth, your power, success, your position, and how people idolize you and worship you and wish that they were you. You have the ability to point to someone, the Creator, to spend your life telling people about the Creator so that they can go to heaven with you. Because you can't take money or possessions to heaven, but what you can take is relationships. And by that I mean if you have a relationship in this life, or even a passing by if you're, if you're an evangelist, you know, you have the ability just to speak to someone, speak truth into someone's life, even if it's for 20 seconds. That could lead them to Christ and give them eternal life. And you get to play a part in that. So that's what I mean by relationships. Just like he makes us new, just like God makes us new, he will also make creation new. The difference is that presently we still sin. But on the new earth, 
there will be no sin. And we won't be on our fleshly bodies anymore. We'll be on our glorified, resurrected bodies. And he says this in the back of verse 5. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So who's saying this in verse 5? He who sat on the throne. Who's that? God the Father. Who's saying, write, for these words are true and faithful? That's God the Father saying that to John. He's telling him to pen these words down because they're true and faithful. Because what comes out of God's mouth is true. It's not false. And it won't be proven false or untrue. And it's faithful. That means God is faithful. Right? We can be faithful because he is faithful. We can love because he loved us. We can love him because he first loved us. We can forgive because he forgives. We can ask forgiveness because he wants us to ask forgiveness. All of these things, these lessons that seem so simple in society right now is twisting the truth. They're, it's not truth anymore. It's untruth. It's false. It's the opposite of truth, however you want to state it. But you know, to say that a guy can be a girl and a girl can be a guy and God messed up and all this stuff. No, God doesn't mess up. He's sovereign. He's perfect. And whatever he allows, there's purpose behind it. Remember what the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good, right? Uh, count, count it all joy when you go through various trials. Now, the press, uh, testing of your faith produces patience or perseverance. Verse 6, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So this is Jesus saying to John, it is done. What did he say on the cross? He said, it is finished. I think it was Tetalistai. And he said, it is finished. Right? And now here in the beginning of the eternal kingdom, after the end of the millennial kingdom, he is saying, it is done. What's done? Well, not only had he paid the full price on the cross for us, but we still have to live on the sinful earth that's cursed, and in fleshly sinful bodies. At this point in time, Satan's not around. He's gone. Demons aren't around. They're gone. The cursed earth is not around. It's gone. And we have a brand new one. Our fleshly bodies that have sinful desires are gone. We're in glorified, resurrected bodies. So it is done. We can take great faith looking into that promise that will take place in the future. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the beginning. The first letter of the Greek alphabet is Alpha. The last one is Omega, right? So it's Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, Zeta, Eta, Theta, Oda, Kappa, Lambda. You know the whole thing all the way through Omega. I just know that because I was in a fraternity in college and they made us memorize it. But God's the Alpha. That means he's the beginning. It'd like be in the English alphabet saying he's the A. And the Z, which is the last letter of the alphabet, only in the Greek alphabet, it was Omega. God is the beginning. He created all things. This earth didn't happen by chance. He created it in the Omega. He is the end. Uh, you know, he'll be around forever. And guess what? We get to be around with him forever. Why? Because we are heirs to the throne. Because he adopted us. Because he offered that adoption. He offered that salvation, that universal adoption. And all we had to say is, here I am. I am willing. I am ready. I want you to be my father. That's that's it. And if you haven't made that proclamation that God is God, He created you, that Jesus came to earth and died for the sins that you couldn't atone for yourself, and you repent of those sins, then you will be saved, my friend. Back half of verse 16 says, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. This is an altar call for those reading this to come to Christ before it's too late. It's a reminder that this life 
is the grand finale. This is not dress rehearsal. There's no do-over. There's no purgatory. Sorry, Catholics. There's no reincarnation. Sorry, Buddhists and Hindus. There's no second chances because you have millions of chances, literally millions of chances during this lifetime right here to understand the truth and to act on that truth by proclaiming Jesus as your creator, Lord, and Savior. My friend, if you have not done that, I encourage you to do that right now. There's no time like the present. There's no reason to procrastinate the the number one decision that will impact your life more than anything you've ever done or ever will do in a positive way. Verse 7, and remember, God is the, uh, Jesus is living water. He is the bread of life. He is the sustainer, and we can trust in him. Verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So he's offered to adopt you. Have you accepted, or have you rejected that? If you've accepted, then would other people know that he's your father? Would they look at your actions and say, there's no way that Jesus is your father based on what I'm seeing in your lifestyle? So what God is saying, he who's over, who overcomes. Well, Jesus overcame, and therefore, if we accept Jesus as our substitute on the cross, then he becomes, then we become overcomers. Since he was an overcomer, we're overcomers. Because if Christ is in us, then it's no longer I who lives, but he who lives in me. In verse 8, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So it says, but the cowardly, so those were those who were too cowardly to walk away from their peer group, too cowardly to walk away from their family because they knew that their family would reject them if they went after Jesus. They were too cowardly to do that. They'll have to spend eternity separated from God. And it says unbelieving, those who are not believers, those who rejected God. And it says abominable, murderers. So abominable, uh, murderers. Murderers is easy to understand. Uh, Someone who murders, but also someone who is angry at someone. If you're angry at someone, God considers you a murderer. Why? Because you you have hatred in your heart. And you're murdering them with your mental thoughts. Sexually immoral. Wow. How can we think about this? People who have sex before marriage. People who have sex outside of marriage. People who have sex with someone else who is not their spouse while they're married. People who have sex with someone who is of the same sex who is not their, uh, who is also not their spouse, right? God ordained sex to take place between a husband and a wife, a male and female who are married. Uh, sorcerers, that's... Uh, Related to to drugs, uh, idolaters, those who have uh, who are idolatrous, who worship things that are not God, and guess what? You're an idolater. If you really care about your appearance and you need new clothes and you know you do your makeup and you do your hair, you're probably worshiping yourself to some degree. Sometimes greater degrees than others, uh, and I'm not saying it's wrong to wear makeup or clothes or anything like that, but we we all place too much emphasis on who we are and how other people see us. And that's idolizing ourselves in relation to our peers, that we want to be looked upon and respected. But that's not our goal. God says our goal is to esteem ourselves not. Our goal is to point to Jesus, to serve and submit. 
And then it says, and all liars shall have their part in the lake. So you'll notice that many of those are kind of repeating some of the Ten Commandments, right? And all liars, we're all liars. And if you say you're not a liar, then you're a liar because you have lied and you will, you will lie again at some point. And remember that half-truth is a whole lie. There's no such thing as a white lie. A white lie is a 100% lie. Um, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. So we talked about this. So where do those who reject Jesus, the unbelievers, the cowardly, the abominable murderers, etc., where do they spend their life? Separated from God in the lake of fire, which is, I would call it, permanent hell, hell number two, better known as the lake of fire. And it burns with fire because fire is judgment and brimstone. And that's the second death. And they'll experience it for the rest of eternity. But it's so simple. If you say that's so horrible, I can't believe he created that for people. He didn't create it for people. He created it for Satan and people chose to follow him there. And if you say, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would he even do that? It's like, well, he also made the way to heaven so simple. So simple. All you have to do is accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's it. You don't have to do out and go out and do big things or great things or things that take time or do them over and over again and continually repent for your sin. Now, if you're a believer, you're going to repent when you sin because that's a good thing, but it's not for your salvation. It's just because you're you're keeping your, your heart in check with your actions. Um, but I, God wants you to be with him. And he didn't want he didn't want that none shall perish. He didn't want anybody to be in a lake of fire except for Satan and the, his demons, which I think you would agree with me that they should be there. But people who reject Jesus, that's also their consequence. Lord, help us this day to love you and to serve you by serving someone else. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Daily Verse by Verse. We want you to be prepared in season and out of season to study the whole counsel of God so that you can share with people who Jesus is through your actions so that you have the right to tell them who Jesus is so that they can come to know Jesus or come to know Jesus better. We strongly encourage you to share this message, this podcast on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, message, email someone who you think could benefit from it. It's an easy way for you to go out and witness to the world just by sharing this podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow. Have a wonderful day.